man walking on the water Now Jesus is a man at the river And he's washing those people's sins away Oh, he can save your soul If you'll give him control And be ready for that judgment day Well, let's all go down to the river There's a man who's walking on the water Come along with me Hey, this is Chaplain Gary Rayburn with Lonesome Road Ministry, and I got my partner with me today. Hi, my name is Fred Mooney, and I am so excited to be here. So thankful to be part of Sound Radio. Yeah, we're on Sound Radio, broadcasting all over the world through soundradio.live. Dot live, and we're going to have a Mr. Danny Atwood today. Yeah, Danny Atwood is one of our chaplains for Lonesome Road Ministry, Channel 21 Ministry, and he preached a message for us on our conference line on Thursday night. He was talking about the will of God. So sit back, listen, and enjoy today's program right here on Sound Radio. I think we ought to start tonight's program with a song by Roger Barkley Jr. Oh, he's got some great music. Yes, sir. He's got a song here called Children Don't You Want to Go. <laughs> and I listen to it, and it makes me want to tap my feet. <laughs> All right. Well, let's go with Roger Barkley Jr. I'm ready to go. I hope you're ready to go with me. So come home. Oh, children, don't you want to go? Oh, come home. Oh, children, don't you want to go? Jesus died for your sin. Just let him have his soul. Oh, come home. Oh, Jesus died for you. Don't you know? For my Jesus died for you He's the rock that I lean on And He's who I come to Well, Jesus died for you He died for your sin On the third day, well He rose and said, come on Oh, children, don't you want to go? Jesus died for your sin, so just let him have your soul. As I walk through this life, there's a lot of things that might give me a the blues. Oh, 
But with Jesus on my side in my heart is a song And it always helps me through Think about what's being paid for me And I want you to go there too So come on Oh children, don't you want to go? Yeah, come on Oh children, don't you want to go? Jesus died for your sins So just let him have your soul Tapping those feet, it's time to listen to Danny Atwood. Here's Chaplain Danny Atwood. Thank you, brother. The enemy's really been fighting me over this, and I don't know why, because it it builds with temptation. I entitled it Life According to God's Will. And, you know, God has a will, and he has a purpose for all of us, but the enemy knows that, and because he knows that, he's going to fight us tooth and nail to keep us from getting into that place that, we can receive from God. First Corinthians ten thirteen says, No temptation is overtaking you except what is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will make a way of escape, and you may be able to bear it. And we all know as Christians that that's Jesus Christ. Without him, we're exactly who we were before we got saved. I was a pretty vile person, and I'm not proud of it, but I thank God where he brought me from. But I wonder, have you ever wondered what it must have been like in the garden for Adam and Eve? I've been thinking about the temptations that brought about the fall of man, and I wonder, do you think we could have done better had it been us in the garden at that time? I know I wouldn't have, but I want to take a look at Genesis chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. It says, The Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground the Lord God made every tree grow that is pleasant to the sight 
and good for food. The tree of life was also in the midst of the garden. And the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And down in verses 15 through 17, it says, The Lord God took the man, put him in the garden of Eden to tend it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. From the very beginning, God provided everything that Adam would need in the garden. And if you'll look at this portion of the scripture, the word Lord is all in caps. This is talking about God himself. It's the same spelling as what Moses witnessed on the mountain when he was standing before the burning bush. And it's just capital Y, capital H, capital W, capital H. And they spelled it like that because they believed that it was too holy to even speak the name. We pronounce it Yahweh. And in Hebrew, they have only four letters because the name of God it is too holy to speak or pronounce. God placed two trees in the midst of the garden. The one tree represents life with God as our provider. The second tree represents in independence from God with us as being in control of our own lives. But if you notice, God put these in the garden even before he put Adam there. Verse 15 says he put man there to tend the garden. Adam was in control of the garden. God brought everything before him to see what Adam would name it and call it. Then down in verse 16, it says God told Adam that he could freely eat from every tree in the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, he shouldn't eat. Then he warns him that the day that he eats it, he will die. Adam was made to be an eternal being, but he had a choice. The scripture even says that God made every tree beautiful and look good for food. So then God made woman. And down in chapter 3 of Genesis, we read about the fall, Genesis 3.1 says, Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree in the garden? Notice how the serpent twisted God's word. God had said they could eat of every tree, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But Satan here tells him, Has God surely not said, that you shall not eat of every tree. He's getting her to question God's authority, wondering why it was that the one tree could not be touched. God had spoke this word to Adam. Adam had to have relayed the word to Eve because here she's carrying on a conversation with Satan. He says every tree suggesting she would have more or could have more. Look at Eve's response in verse 2. And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat the fruit of the trees in the garden, but the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it lest you die. 
Then the serpent said to the woman, You shall not surely die. Here Satan is telling Eve that God just threatened her with death to keep her away from the tree. She could have more. It was her choice. At this point, Eve is having a dialogue with Satan, and I wonder why Adam wasn't involved. He's allowing his wife to stand there and have dialogue with a snake. And Satan tells her in verse 5, For God knows that in the day that you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. That was Satan's desire. He wanted to be like God and he wanted to elevate his throne above God. Now he's trying to get mankind to do the same thing, to elevate their throne above God's. So where is Adam while the conversation is taking place? After all, Adam was the one that was in charge. Verse 6 says, So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and the tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband, who was with her, and he ate. The whole while, he's standing there with his wife, allowing this dialogue to take place, and he never intervenes. He never steps in. And I wonder how many times we do that. We allow things to take place and go on in our homes, and we don't step in and take the authority that God has given us. And we allow the enemy to wreak havoc within our homes, in our families. He does the same thing at our jobs. We have to understand as Christians, he's not just going to step aside and let us fulfill God's purpose. He wants more than anything to shake his fist at God and say, see, the creation that you've made, the creation that you love, has let you down. But here Eve stared at the fruit intensely, and she pondered it in her heart with her mind until she gave in to the temptation and ate it. Temptation is like that. The more we're around it, the more we look at it, the more we think about it, the more we get drawn into temptation and the closer we get to falling. Adam could have stopped all of this at any moment, but he remained silent. You don't hear from Adam until God asked him the question why he had hid from God. It was at this point that Adam finally speaks up. Verse 12, then the man said, the woman who you gave me, she gave me of the tree and I ate. Adam is actually essentially saying, God, this is your fault. You gave her to me. It's no different with us today. We blame the church. We blame a friend. We blame someone at work. We blame family members. And we fail to remember that each one of us is going to have to stand before God and give an account of our lives. The scripture says that every idle word and that can cover a large portion of our life, just thinking about idle words, how many times we sit around and just talk foolishly, just in conversation, not really thinking about what we're saying. And yet God's going to hold us accountable for those idle words. He used Adam and Eve to try to be like, or tried to get them to be like God themselves. He did the same thing with Jesus. 
Adam and Eve were tempted with food. In 1 John 2.16, we see, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. Matthew 4, verses 1 through 11, is the temptation of Christ. And it says, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, afterward he was hungry. Now when the tempter came to him, he said, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him up into the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple. And he said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge over you. And in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against the stone. Jesus said to him, It is written again, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. Again the devil took him up on an exceedingly high mountain, and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, All of these things I will give you if you will just fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Then the devil left him, and behold, the angels came and ministered to him. Jesus' first temptation was that of physical hunger. He had fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. And it was the same with Adam and Eve in the garden. I'm sure theirs wasn't a physical hunger because they had everything they needed within the garden. Second, it was his deity. If you really are the Son of God, throw yourself down. And third, it was of worldly possessions. He promised him everything if he would just bow down and worship him. He knew that if he bowed down and worshipped him, that he would ascend his throne above God. But Christ, being who he was, knew better. How many of us know, just like Adam, we can get too close to temptation and get sucked in, just like Adam and Eve did. Take a look at James 1, 12 through 15, and it says, Blessed is the man who endures temptation, for when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Let no one say to him, say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. God had told Adam and Eve, the day that you eat that, you will die. And we are under the same curse, but thank God that Jesus went to the cross and he paid the price for our sin. Mankind was made to be eternal beings. That's why after the fall, God put Adam and Eve out of the garden. While in the garden, they would have still had access to the tree of life. And eating of that tree would have allowed them to live eternally 
in a fallen state. We too are born into a fallen state, and apart from being born again and confessing Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, we just we are just as lost and without hope. We are still eternal beings, but the choice is ours. We can choose the way of the cross and live for eternity in the presence of our Savior, or we can reject God's free gift of salvation and spend eternity separated from God. I hear all the time on our station, heaven or hell, the choice is yours. If you were to die tonight, where would you spend eternity? Thanks be to God that he delivered me from the life that I lived. Like I said, it wasn't a good life, and my wife is horrified by some of the things that she hears from my family that I did. But I've been saved for 34 years, totally committed. I've been saved longer than that, but I backslid and went back into the world for a short period. But Christ had something to draw me back. The day that I arrived in California, I got off a plane on a Sunday afternoon and was drunk. And within three hours of getting off the plane, I was sitting in the back of a church wondering what I was doing there. My family had talked me into going there. And a woman that was preaching, she stood up and she said, there's someone in here. You've walked away from God. And God said, tonight's your night to come home. And I felt as though somebody had grabbed my arm and raised it, and I looked to see who was around me, and there was nobody there. I believe God had an angel raise my arm. I did go forward, and I surrendered that night to Christ, and I've walked with him ever since. And it, it's not been an easy road, but it's been a blessed road. I could never turn back to what I once was because of what Christ has done in my life. And I'm saying to everyone on this line, whoever you are, I don't know your situation. I don't know whether you're saved or not. But I do know that life without him is not life worth living. So tonight, I would ask you just ponder that question. If you were to die tonight, do you know where you would spend eternity? Would it be in the presence of God or would it be in a life of torment in hell? The choice is yours. Let me pray. Father, I just pray once again, Lord, for everybody on this line. I pray, Father, that you would touch, that you would minister and move. Lord, you know each and every heart. You know where we are. You know where our struggles are. But yet, Father, you love us. And I pray, Father, that you would draw us by your spirit as only you can do. Mm -hmm. Lord, I pray for each and every chaplain on this line tonight, and I pray, Father, that you would stir a hunger and a desire, Lord, to get so deep into your word that nothing else would matter, and, Lord, that fruit would just begin to fall from our lives, and, Lord, that those that come in contact with us would see and know, and they, they would want the relationship that they see in our lives. Father, once again, we pray for Israel. Lord, we lift up that nation to you. That's your nation, Lord. They may not be confessing you, but it's still your chosen people. And I pray tonight, Father, 
that you would intervene, Lord. We know this is a direct attack from the enemy. And, Lord, we know what your word says. So, Father, we just right now ask, Lord, that you would intervene in the lives of each and every man, each and every woman that has any kind of authority in Israel and the United States. Lord, that they would make wise decisions. Lord, we pray for wisdom and understanding. We pray for a godly influence, Lord, for everyone involved. Lord, we just give you all the praise, glory, and honor. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Hello, Jesus. Yes, it's really me. After all the wrong I've done, Lord. I guess you're surprised to see me here at your altar like a beggar on bended knees who's come here to beg you oh lord please please forgive me i can't make it without you jesus yes i finally see so let me surrender my life to you and Jesus Jesus please forgive me I've learned the truth about Satan's so-called good life oh it was just a candle it was just a candle Too short to burn through the night Now I'm here in the darkness And I come to you and plead Oh, light my life Oh, light my life And Jesus, please forgive me Oh, please forgive me I can't make it without you, Jesus Yes, I finally see So let me confess my sins And you can give me eternal life And Jesus, please, please I know that's a message has hit home to a lot of people, and there's some people out there right now that just need prayer. And so uh, we want to invite them to call us. My phone number is 618-383-2107. And Fred, there's a lot of people may want to give you a call, so why don't you give them your phone number? Uh, you can reach me at uh, 618-898-1164, and I would love to talk to you and help you any way I can. I really have a heart for people in their marriages. Friends, we want to ask you today, if you died today, would you go to heaven? That's the question we want to ask you. 
You know, that's the most important question you'll ever answer in your life. If you died today, do you know 100% in your heart that you'd make heaven your home? You know, Fred, the, the Bible gives us that assurance that we have salvation. It's found in 1 John chapter 5 and verse, uh, let me just read it to you, verse 13. It says, these things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. You, we can know that. It's, it's right here in, in the Bible. And that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. That is such a comfort yeah. to know that you're going to make heaven your home should you die. And, you know, I know we're making this for everybody, but you take a trucker out here on these highways, he comes within inches of death every day he drives. Friends, drivers, if you don't know that you know that you know that you're going to heaven, then pray a little prayer with us right now and pray this with all your heart and God will save you. It's guaranteed right here in this book. Just pray, Lord Jesus, forgive me for my sins. Lord, I surrender my life to you. I want to be a Christian, and I want that assurance that I have a home in heaven. And I will live for you from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Roads of life lost without hope. Eighteen wheels of lonesome at the end of the road. In my hand was a track the preacher had read, his words still echoing in the back of my head. I felt so ashamed when I thought of my past. Hey drivers, we appreciate you letting us ride along with you in the cab. And you can contact us at 618-383-2107 or you can log on to our website at lonesomeroad.org and check us out on the web. You can listen to all of our radio programs on our website on our broadcast from the past page. So check it out. And if you ask Jesus Christ into your heart, then give us a call and let us know. been lost I left a lifetime of misery at the foot of the tree